I have an anecdote and then I have a point. Um, <laughs> wow, it feels so like model UN to be like, I have, anyway, um, my, my um, anecdote is I was uh, FaceTiming with my, uh, one of my, one of my many pen pals last night and we were talking about something and she was like, well, you know, so the world's going to end in 2030. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and she was like, uh-huh. oh, well, I read it in a New Yorker article. The world is going to end in 2030. And then earlier on in the conversation, she'd been like, well, love ends after two years anyway. It's just the brain chemicals. And I was just thinking now about that in terms of Elizabeth Warren's glide path plan, glide path plan, Mm -hmm. which is kind of just like designed to have incremental change by the time she would finish like an eight year term. And I'm like, well, according to her schedule, yeah, yeah, we would literally just have two more years left on Earth Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) by the time the Elizabeth Warren glide path plan was finished. Jesus so just l- like <laughs> I'm just so it's just like in 8 years your healthcare will get incrementally better and then monetary systems will collapse and there and there's like and there'll be no more ice in the arctic. Um <laughs> and yeah. um, just in time uh, you know you'll get your flu shot and you can watch the world burn. We lied. We said that we weren't going to give you another main feed up or another episode until um, Medicare for All week. But then uh, Bernie Sanders dropped his disability rights platform at long last this morning. So, you know, uh, here we are. We're back. We're back with... uh, our take and our definitive review of the the disability rights platform. Listen, listen, B. I just I just love to podcast. <laughs> so any opportunity I get to podcast, I just take it. You know. Yeah, exactly. Charlie's like I don't I don't even uh, I don't even care about disability rights. I just wanted to to just talk on a microphone all day. Just kidding. And Charlie's here. Yes, Charlie's here. It's me, Arnie, and Charlie. Yeah, you were here in mind and body. Wearing a great pink Wu's Wonton King hat. So, um, if I weren't here in body, would our listeners even know? No, no, not at they all. wouldn't. <laughs> That's Artie's job. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to take a like a little personal victory lap on this because I am very impressed with this really thick and comprehensive plan that they released today. You know, for a long time, we've been doing our own digging through every policy document that the Sanders campaign has put out. And in December, I wrote a piece for Jacobin where I sort of put together what I deemed to be the existing disability rights platform within every single other part of the Sanders platform, like the Green New Deal, the housing program, Medicare for All, you know, really making the point that like what they're actually doing differently is tying disability issues into everything else, ensuring that it is uh, stronger through unification with, you know, each issue that it addresses. Um, There isn't like a section that's just for disability rights that like could uh, get wholesale passed or thrown out just in and of itself, right? right? The idea is that like any policy going forward Um, that the Sanders administration has like a commitment and a priority to like including disability rights and justice in 
that policy proposal. So it's like, this is a really robust, I would say, proof of my hypothesis that this is their that this was their plan. Well, and down to the fact that the plan literally begins with the plan will quote also incorporate disability issues into every other area of public policy, which is basically the exact thesis of your article. So there you go. Uh, either you were right all along, or there was some feedback happening. Um, I do want to say, <clears throat> well, it's funny actually from the from the top this. <laughs> I don't know how exactly we're going to title this episode, but this poses a funny uh, logistical and like SEO challenge for us oh, because right. we already have an episode called Bernie's Disability Rights Platform. So what if we call it Bernie's Disability Rights Platform Returns? Sure, maybe not. Or Return <laughs> of Bernie's Disability Rights Platform. I want to I want to shy away from anything that might just confuse people entirely, but. Um, yeah, if you haven't listened to that or read B's article that she mentioned from December, we could, we like, could title it uh, "Bojack Horseman: The Final Season: Medicare for All," because <laughs> <laughs> I think that would probably the new then the new one's supposed to come out tonight, so I feel like that would do well for the clicks. Is that is that what the what the <laughs> clicks want these days? We just <laughs> pretend it's about Bojack Horseman and trick a bunch of like Netflix slobs into uh, listening to an hour and a half on disability rights. <laughs> I can't wait for us to expand into the genre of docu series. Um, I will say, I think, and I just want to give this pitch from, uh, from early on and we can talk about this more at length later, but like going into this, I do want to say, so like, first of all, if you're listening to this and you are a death panel listener, but you are, I don't know, one of the ones who like tunes out or something when we do big policy deep dives on disability rights policy or whatever, then I don't know how we've retained you as a listener. <laughs> um, but, uh, but also like Very whether, true, yeah. whether you're like a new listener, <laughs> what are you doing? Or, still listening to this podcast? Turn it off. <laughs> but, uh, whether you're a new listener or just someone who maybe doesn't know a lot even about like the disability rights movement, which I think is like quite a lot of people, frankly. Um, I think that there is actually an interesting case to be made here that um, this, like, I don't think this will be covered as such, but there are things in this that represent some of the more radical and far reaching policy proposals that have like that the Sanders campaign has released at all, frankly, in my opinion. Right. I mean, it's um the Sanders administration this week or administration. Wow, that was a slip. The Sanders campaign this week has been like talking about how they would use executive orders in order to get some of these things through and, um, you know, their general policy platform through. And that's also a huge part of this. I think like first first point to take away from this is that it is above and beyond what I expected to see. Um, And I am very happy it went further than um, they've proposed. You know, it went further than the document that I put forth in December. It went further than what anything they've like proposed before. And it is above and beyond Elizabeth Warren's plan. Um, Warren's plan is fine. I don't have any problems with it. It's just not this good. You know what I mean? The Sanders team has like taken two or three steps further on every single point than the Warren document was. And the Warren was was like largely couched from Castro's plan, which involved a lot of like public private partnerships for things or like we're going to create a database or we're going to incentivize this or we're going to, you know, have these slow rollouts of like shifting this uh, like with the SSI income cap stuff, you know, it was sort of very technocratic, very incremental, sort of like beltway 
fixes, very like very traditional things that you see like in any disability policy document, right? Yeah. Sort of this like, oh, incentivize uh, ADA compliance and make the re- reporting process for ADA violations more seamless. Mm-hmm. Bernie's plan is like, we're going to take away your Medicare certification if you like w- work with a for-profit company, yeah. basically. And that and is to like... to clarify, <laughs> that means for providers, like right. Medicare certification yeah, for like, providers. Yeah. It's, a, it's like not even apples and oranges in my mind, you know? Yeah. I feel really stupid being like, wow, so amazing that Bernie Sanders had like a labor angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I was excited that there are points about like, not just about like helping home care workers... Uh, unionize, but also to compensate like uncomp- sorry to compensate like family caregivers mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's, it's sure. like a it's like a, a kind of attention to modes of labor that aren't even really considered labor yeah. right now, let oh, alone sure. increase compensation for people who are already participating in in some form of like recognized uh, wage relation yeah that's i mean for for me, I think that's all of the stuff on home health workers is pretty much the is like the most interesting and uh, exciting part for me, frankly, mostly because I think even since like not only over the course of doing this podcast where we've talked a lot about like the need for like home health work. um, (laughs) Right. At one point we said you can just take every insurance company lobbyist and um, they can do five years in home health work as as penance for all the things that they've done. (laughs) Well, And then including in like, you know, it's been a through line, including like uh, talking to people like Steve Way, who will be part of like Medicare for all week as well, like about, uh, you know, being like categorically denied having enough, like as much like care as they need. But then also the fact that like people who are home health workers, uh, you know, like training and certification systems are like really bad. They're not paid like almost anything. Um, labor protections, like not only are and were really bad, um, like the Trump administration has like uh, explicitly made it much harder for uh, home health workers to to engage in union activities, um, including in like a rule that basically made it so that home health workers can't have their mm-hmm. can't have their dues automatically come out of their paycheck and uh, a bunch of other or their like their health insurance either. It's, yeah, yeah, it's right. like some of the most like arbitrarily ridiculous things, and you know it's. As it is, like home healthcare workers are probably the most underappreciated sector of the work por- workforce and underpaid largely yeah. right now. You know, it is awful in a lot of states. They make no more than like eleven dollars and thirty four cents an hour, and it's like they're working for these like oftentimes like for profit companies who charge like hundreds of dollars a week. Yeah. You know, long term care insurance is a fucking mess and useless. And we have like a rapidly aging population. You know, we're going to have so many fucking boomers who need long term care and no one will be able to afford it. Yeah. And I mean, but and we have so many people who need long term care now who can't get it. Right. Exactly. Or people who are forced, as you know, we talked about with the family example, forced to like uh, essentially like have their family members do it for free. And then they can't, as is remedied in this, would be remedied in this platform. Essentially, they uh, they can't like count that towards uh you know earning like work Credit. work credits basically for like social security in the future so they just right. are also kind of like mortgaging their future social security benefits by not by like having to do this like un- unpaid or underpaid i work. mean it's one of the biggest problems with social security is the fact that like so many women who work in the home 
you know, because if we're thinking about the the population that's retiring now and sort of the gender norms at the time, right, you had a lot of like stay at home moms mm-hmm. and, um, <clears throat> you know, or they had limited working histories until they like got married or something and then they stopped working because that was sort of like for one section of the population that was the culture and like those people now when they're retiring the women are taking home like sometimes like one third of what the man who's worked for 40 years will take home and then when the husband dies like they're kind of sol yeah you know what i mean so we we also sort of have these like these issues where we have like a population that really needs this service mm-hmm. and the people who are tasked with fulfilling it um, are being exploited and, and completely like treated like shit. Yeah. Right. So it's a it's a ticking time bomb, you know, and the nice thing is that like beyond that, this this plan is like covering everything from like your greatest hits, like ending the two year waiting period once you get SSDI for Medicare right. to kick in. Um, marriage penalty. Mar- ending the marriage, the marriage penalty. penalty for SSI, ending the benefits cliff for SSDI, yeah. ending, um, you know, restrict like basically making it so people in SSI are allowed to have savings. Um, making it so that you are not required to do a Medicaid spend down to get your SSI benefits and you'll have Medicare for all. Right. But there's also provisions in it for like dealing with Medicaid on like day one with an executive order to end wait times for long term care. Yeah. Totally. Um, for people who have already done the spend down where sometimes the waiting list can be longer than 10 years. Well, and and also importantly, I want to I want to point out and then maybe we can start getting into like going through a, a couple of the specific things because, uh, you know, a lot of like we, we don't have to do we don't have to end up doing essentially the uh, audio book version of this uh, policy document. But I think going through some of the like really key stuff, especially the things that were surprising to us as we saw them, you know, either that is stuff that we've like maybe been asking for and that uh, we weren't expecting to necessarily actually come out of a policy document from the Sanders campaign or things that are, uh, I mean, there are some things that I didn't, I certainly hadn't thought about even in here. Um, but one of the, I want, I do want to just make sure to mention that one of, one of the immediate important things that just, uh, resolves, I think really well to talk about here because, uh, literally our last episode, we just talked about all of these different, like this variety of ways in which the Trump administration, uh, partially through directions to CMS and like executive orders to CMS has, uh, and, and to other agencies like HHS and, uh, and through like immigration, etc has like systematically targeted poor ill and disabled people things like uh th- so things that are addressed uh in this plan that would like essentially directly try to as quickly as possible roll back uh and remove like these disastrous things that happened or that have happened under the Trump administration including things that we just talked about in our most recent episode like the public charge rule mm-hmm. basically like most of the most of the things even that in the last year that we have talked about on the podcast that have been like wild things that should have been, and some of which were like totally illegal basically, but that have proceeded at a pace anyway, mm-hmm. um, are addressed in here as things that would be rolled back. So I, one thing I was thinking of too, is I remember, I think B, you were telling me about drama, like pe- the people on Twitter mm-hmm. were sort of making the point, like sort of pitting disabled people and immigrants against each other. Like what was that fight that happened? Oh yeah. It was something that had happened, uh, when the NCIL was lobbying the democratic representatives of the house to um, try and pass like the Disability Integration Act 
and um, they, they there was leaked footage of a person who was formerly associated with NCIL who's like since been removed from his board president role who was saying, you know, the line that we have to use is that Democrats care more about illegal immigrants than they do about disabled people. There was a yeah. real sort of like, you know, and a lot of the disability community was like, not happy to be represented that way, especially by like National Council on Independent Living, who's like the leading like advocacy organization for like long term care services, you know, adult care in yeah, the United yeah. States. Like, I mean, I was just thinking of that because I feel like uh, one of the sort of like, I don't know, political points that the plan seems to make is just like as opposed to something like that, where it's just like pitting two groups against each other, just being like, like being one like, or the other. Yeah. yeah, sort of just like a dis- this in this case, like the case of like home health care workers and mm-hmm. like uh, making sure that they actually are like paid well. That's actually also like a disability Mm-hmm. issue because it means that like people are getting paid more and have like more time off and can be in a union mm-hmm. they'll probably give you better care because they're not like stressed and underpaid and like stressed about i don't know possibly stressed about citizenship so it's like nice to see how like the like these things be sort of like shown to be like interrelated mm-hmm. and like to create like further points for solidarity yeah totally it's like good vibes right i mean because ultimately like long-term care will only be better when long-term care workers are given like a fair wage and a good like good job benefits that are commensurate with the like demands of their job and like safe housing and expanded public transportation you know it's like disability rights are like touch on everything disability itself is pretty fucking universal as far as demographics go you know what i mean it's uh at some point, everyone will have like a hard time walking up a flight of stairs, right? right? So it's sort of like, why ever do it separately, right? If all people in all places at any time could need these services in the United States, like why do we ever implement this stuff separately? That's just not how anyone's done it for the past like 30 years. You know, the ADA is only 30 years old. It's yeah. as old as I am. Makes me f- understand why our merch has a bit of a goth aesthetic because it's like death. To quote Mount Erie, death is real. Yeah, <laughs> it's true though. I mean, it's like so. One of the things your death is real. <laughs> one so of the is mine. That, it's fine. That I think that like is very important is um you know that there is currently a backlog in SSI SSDI applications. That is deadly. People die waiting for their benefits. And in many states, you can barely even get in front of an administrative law judge to do your um, appeal application for SSDI. And uh, you have a 40% more likely chance to get awarded SSDI if you see an ALJ versus if you do a paperwork appeal, where in like states like Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, you can only do like paperwork appeals. So that it's like, you know, people are being evaluated without ever being seen in person. Um, And one of the things that they would do immediately would like end the SSI asset test end the marriage penalty, raise the benefit level of SSI, end the massive backlog. The Trump administration right now is trying to like increase the backlog yeah. on SSI. Well, and not just end the backlog. Um, specifically, there is a uh, point in there also about like um, increasing the workforce of judges uh, who would be seeing appeals cases, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, like, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, in addition, it, it, like, it's interesting because like, uh, so things like that, which are, um, you know, again, while this, while this has the header, Bernie's disability rights 
platform. At the same time, there are so many prescriptions in here that are so important for just uh, our understanding of like social, of what like social security program is at all, mm-hmm. uh, of like what social welfare is or what welfare is and can be in the United States. Um, and of just like, um, I don't know, like the role of care in our society, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and it really does. Uh, I mean, it's impressive going through this and obviously like it's a long document. So they had plenty of time to do this within the document, but it is quite impressive actually how, uh, you know, as you're going through, um, so many of these things do become like interlocking and that like, it's even, it's not even till like closer to the end of the document when they're talking about the justice system where they, where they start talking about like, oh yeah, and we'll, we'll increase the amount of judges who like, who are assigned to do appeals cases specifically. And knowing that, I mean, like having you having gone through like an appeals process, mm-hmm. uh, for Medicare, for example, and like us having gone through that process together, it, it's like one thing it's, it's, it's like a single sentence in this. It's like one bullet point or whatever in this plan. And I saw it and I was like, Oh hell yeah. Like the I haven't seen this ALJs. anywhere else. Like, yeah, that's obvious. Like yes. this is one of those things. that's like, it's not a, uh, I don't know. It's like not a fancy talking point, but it's a really important mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, and like a really fundamental, like you can't like, it's one thing to just say, oh, we'll end the backlog. But like one of the ways that you're going to end the backlog is to like hire more judges and they don't even put them next to each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. But if you are, if you know the policies around this, you're like, oh, this, this, this is addressing that issue right. too. It's supporting what I read. I mean, one, half of, an hour ago, one of the other know? things that I think is fantastic too is uh, that I have not seen elsewhere is to radically expand, um, to work with disability rights advocates specifically to radically expand um, the SSDI claims process to include a lot more conditions. You know, for a very long time, not even autoimmune diseases were on the list. Yeah, And that list has not grown very much over the years. Like during the Obama administration, they added like uh, clinical depression and mental certain types of mental illness that weren't on there. They added autoimmune diseases. And I believe that was like 2013 though I might fact check me I might have that year wrong but still you know what I mean it's like Mm -hmm. that had been um really long overdue and there are things like like chronic migraines right or polycystic ovary syndrome or endometriosis or types of Crohn's that aren't even people like who might be just as severely limited from being able to like fully work as I am who fall under like the technicality and have no recourse, you know? So like we are long overdue for something as simple as just expanding who can apply for SSDI. And I haven't really seen that as an initiative, like coming from anyone else. Right. I mean, considering especially that you with an orphan condition, like had a problem knowing whether you'd even qualify yeah, it, I mean, um, the, in the first place, the other thing, too, is and that proving eventually that you had to, you know, that you qualified. Right. The Social Security Administration right now is like subject to budget caps and mm-hmm. spending control and sequestration. So it doesn't really need to be that way. Like the law itself, the Social Security Act itself doesn't require um, the Social Security Administration funding to be subject to budget caps. You know what I mean? So they would literally just uh, end like discretionary caps on social security spending, which is like a very small flex, but an actually like big dick move at the end of the day. Uh You know what I mean? And it's just like forcing people to fulfill the law as it was like intended. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? One thing that was nice too about the um, SSI and SSDI section was uh, 
the the bullet point bring parity to the treatment of Puerto Ricans and others oh, living yeah. in yeah. U.S. territories and federal programs such as as SSI. Right, um, it's a huge problem. Yeah, like we fucked Puerto Rico so hard, and then the fact that like on top of that, like the access to like what benefits you have and the support is like even worse than in like the um like most poorly funded Republican state in in the continental united states yeah. and it's like bad in alaska and hawaii too as well you know what i mean another like small thing that's a big flex is the uh basically like as it stands like disabled people aren't they don't count as like a men- medically vulnerable population right now right which, which is, is like kind of wild crazy uh this wait is, how did that happen we were just never designated medically vulnerable ever so when you get the legal designation of being a medically vulnerable population, it means that like facilities that serve medically vulnerable populations have access to like additional funding. They can fast track visas for like doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants who are coming in from other countries so that they can sort of fill positions in like rural healthcare or, you know, whatever. And um, right now as it stands, like, have uh, being in a, an area like where we are, where there's like a lot of seniors and disabled people here in New York City, like in the area where Artie and I are, like, you know, the facilities near us don't get to like access that funding now for treating like a, a higher population of disabled people than than usual because like disabled people as it stands at the moment are not considered to be a medically needy population, though I would right. argue that. Um, we 100% fucking are. This reminds me of, of a convo um, we were having in the T4T Discord today about um, basically just like uh, the use of the word dysphoria because some people are like, oh yeah, I I have a dysphoria. That is totally my experience. And some people mm-hmm. are like, I mean, maybe, but uh, maybe it's something different. And we were just like, on the one hand, there's a sort of like, what does this word mean and uh, how does it relate to my experience? And then there's, but then there's also the like, uh, what word do I have to say to like be able to get surgery or something? And like the functionality Mm -hmm. um, of that, uh, like, yes, doctor, I was born in a wrong body. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the right one. Like, I don't know, just like, uh, like the connection between just like uh, certain words giving you like random access to shit mm-hmm. and we were kind of just like I was kind of just like I literally I, I was just like I kind of don't know how I would like define that word outside of just like the sort of like system of uh checks and balances you get from like using it not and not now mm-hmm. um whatever you get what I mean um, yeah no totally I mean it's funny because it's like these types of like medical gatekeeping that have sort of like developed as technicality is like I feel like are more often used in like insidious ways that just deny care, you know, and sort of like the more that we expand these designations, like I think the better off we all are, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that this, this like document like really commits to expanding both like the capacity to enforce the goals of the ADA and the actual like rules of the ADA to enforce like, the fact that people who deserve care are entitled to it. And like, even though it's a very simple thing, you know, like that's a very serious move in the right direction. You know what I mean? Saying 
No uh, for-profit companies are allowed to do this or get into healthcare. And you know what? Like we're going to expand, you know, entitlements for yeah. people. It's um, oh God, I'm having just like a real theory, bro. Like my thoughts are just like backgrounded by just like um, burial tunes moment where I was just like, wow, under capitalism, like, like our just existence, man. Like, like <laughs> what this capitalism is like, I, I, that's not doing anything for me on its own. So like, I have to punish you for having it. Um, <laughs> and then this, uh, a friend recently like did karaoke to burial, um, which was <laughs> like one of the f- fucking funniest things I've wow. uh, heard. Anyway, um, yeah. to the plan. I, I think, I mean, I think B, you mentioned um, one of the like really key things in the plan, which is to make disabled people part of like, what is it? Med- medically underserved populations. Yes. And also to eliminate um, basically being able to give people mental health care, regardless of whether they consent to it or not, which is right. no one else in the, th- you know, this is like Bernie's plan is 13,000 plus words. Yeah. It's three times, four times bigger than Warren's plan. Yeah. And it includes. Not that that's necessarily like a meaningful metric, but in this case, it happens to be, especially considering this plan is like considerably more dense. I mean, literally half. I'm looking at this document right now. I copied all of the text so that I could make sure that I had like notes and things that I wanted to highlight. And almost like every other sentence is in bold or underlined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think the I mean, lesson from this is that the longer book is always the smarter book. <laughs> I mean, and like one of the things with like that occurs now with mental health is that technically we've had this Olmstead decision that the Supreme Court said basically like people with mental illness should not be relying on the criminal justice system for their medical care. Right. Yeah. And we need to get people out of prison and like just the simple act of like pledging a commitment to enforce existing laws and actually enforce them and, right. and well, you know, overturn things like you know, what Iowa did with Medicaid managed care, where they like just wholesale sort of sold off everything to a private company who's like wreaking havoc. Right. havoc you but know? so this is what I, the reason I was saying before, like, um, you know, th- like things like when you read them, like a good example is uh, th- that thing that happened a couple of weeks ago where it was like, oh, like, um, you know, Sanders made literally some offhand comment to a reporter that was like, when I'm uh, under my presidency, I'll work to make sure that we had federal standards for for water right. And people were like, wait, we don't. Like, right. Exactly. And so there's like, I feel like, especially if you're not writing on the, the policy or don't know how like absolutely draconian and terrible so many of the, these things can be. And even like state programs like or programs like Medicaid or whatever, how like draconian and terrible they can be to people. Uh, it can come to some surprise. Like, um, I think to a certain degree, things like uh, the Olmsted decision, like upholding the Olmsted decision, have become, I think, especially after uh, in like April of last year on the anniversary of Olmsted, like when the Sanders campaign uh, made this like big pledge commitment to uh, to uphold Olmsted and pass the Disability Integration Act, also as part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, which notably Warren's original plan left out and then yeah. adapt got really mad at them anyway, but not, not to like, I just want to, I would just want to point out a couple of things that are in here that if you don't know about them, I would like to draw your attention to them. There are things that the American uh, government does to people. Uh, one of them is, uh, what is called electronic visit verification, which, uh, this plan this platform would undo Sorry, which which section are you in it's in long-term services and supports within medicare for all okay cool. the plan doesn't say what it 
does though. So let me tell you what it does. Yes, please. Um, so like electronic visit verification is something again, actually that we talked about with mm-hmm. Steve way, which, um, is essentially, uh, instead of, so basically there was this sort of like false panic over, like, oh, what if, what if, um, what if disabled people or whatever, like, you know, pretend that they're living one place and that they actually don't. And so let's like, ankle monitor them. Right. So basically <laughs> like uh, electronic visit verification is this thing that states fucking do some of them where like you have, you fucking make disabled people wear like essentially a GPS tracker as though you're like a prisoner in your own home or whatever, if you're lucky enough to like live in a home and not be institutionalized. Right. Or homeless. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or homeless. Exactly. And uh, the like the idea is to you know quote unquote combat like false uh, home visit reporting, which already is like bullshit. It's the same kind of thing that makes it so like uh, you know again Steve uh, who's gonna be disabled for his entire life and has been like has to periodically very frequently get these checkups that are like still disabled. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, another one is uh, Medicaid estate recovery. Yeah. Do you want to explain uh, Medicaid? uh estate recovery (sighs) yeah this is pretty disgusting not great this is a current practice um that goes on now so let's say you did an asset spend down to qualify for long-term care because your long-term care insurance only covered three months of long-term care and you need it permanently now Mm -hmm. so you've done your asset spend down and you've qualified for medicaid and you've gotten your long-term care. Now let's say you're over 55 or you're permanently institutionalized and you die, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in it's perfectly legal for the state like Medicaid office to basically come for your money after you die to seek reimbursement for the services that you received for oh long-term God. care while you were alive. And that's like even after you've done the fucking spend down mm-hmm. to be on Medicaid in the first place. So it's literally they are like picking through the like belongings of like dead poor people basically to find what little they can get to like recover mm-hmm. fractions of like tiny bits of money. It reminds me of like, uh, don't cops. I don't know if this is, I can't remember if this is like uh legal or just something they do where like sometimes if they arrest you, they can just like take your car or just like, Oh yeah. Take your, um, like go into your house and just like take your shit. Like asset forfeiture. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of this, this thing I heard on citations needed another podcast, uh, which was just that, that like, um, <laughs> Sorry, this is the only podcast. Um, it, it reminds me of something I heard on a redacted podcast, um, which said, uh, like, under capitalism, um, goods are like, pro- like profits are should are like privatized and debt is collectivized. Yeah. Um, which is like same logic here. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the stuff that they're allowed to take uh, when someone dies, particularly in the instance of when that person dies without a will. Um, it's pretty disgusting. You know, it's like if, if things are passing to the, the recipient's heirs through probate, basically the state's allowed to cherry pick and pass, th- you know, pass over uh, almost like a right of re- first refusal to right, yeah. the, the transfer of the estate. Um, there are certain states, of course, because Medicaid is implemented like a patchwork. It's not, you know, a federally consistent program. Yeah. Uh, so there are certain states that are incredibly aggressive and they will take anything. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a disgusting practice. You know, there there are a lot of ways to be punished when you're on Medicaid. Yeah. And there are not a lot of other or ways. Or poor to, in general. Or yeah. poor in general. But like there aren't other ways to really get long term care. 
unless you're wealthy enough to pay for it. You know what I mean? Like, and then so then you're like punished for seeking the only way to access the service once you die or your family is. It's it's cruel. It makes me extremely upset because like, I don't know if you if you had if you needed any uh, like validation of the like or how to put it. if you needed any more like further proof that there is essentially like a war on the poor in this country like the fact that that happens all the time literally all the time but that like you know all the time you'll see like really i don't know wealthy like wealthy people complaining on cnbc about the the very idea of the estate tax being hiked Mm-hmm. Or something like that. But it, um, it's like we already have uh, amazing uh, inheritance laws, but only for <laughs> only for the wealthy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like who who has the right to like? I mean, obviously, like wealth shouldn't be passed down anyway. But it's just like who gets like the intricate, uh, well done inheritance laws. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the things that is fucked up is that like when someone dies, the month of their death everything is paid one month like behind for SSDI. So the month right. of your death, you have to return that check. <laughs> wait, Even if you died the day really? before the check arrived. <laughs> so say, say I receive my benefits on like May 9th. Yeah. And I die on May 30th. Right. Do you have to return 21 days of that check or something? Well, is it you would be in my estate would be entitled to keep the pavement that arrived on May 9th because it's for April's benefits. And lots of people who are on Medicaid have estates. Right. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Sorry. But I, you I are not entitled. Like, even it's though, not funny. It's just like it's so it's right, so right. absurd. But it's literally like this is like uh, this is like big like neo-feudalism energy because it's yeah. just like literally like looting. Like basically what they're doing is like looting. Right. It's like, like they're like. Totally. 100%. Wait, fuck. What is that? Artie, what is that video game where it's just like gloomy sword? Uh, Tim Rogers talks about it. Uh, the Witcher? Maybe. Gloomy sword? Like yeah. That Dark one. Souls? Yeah. One of those. <laughs> one of those like. There's a sword in it and it's sad. I was like, yeah, I was like trying to um, Google as like, do a quick Google and all I could come up with like was like. Uh, moody sword video game and didn't come up with anything but yeah that is basically like that yeah. that vibe feels um reminds me of this aspect yeah <laughs> so basically policy. like let's say i die right on on may 30th like the payment from may that we received which is again april's benefits right mm-hmm. those my estate is entitled to keep you know what my estate needs to return May's benefits, which will be delivered in June. Oh so even if I was alive until May 30th, because I died before the end of May, right. I forfeited in my death the benefits I would have received in the last month of my death. It's literally so, just like bureaucratically insulting. It's just, it's that's awful. You know, and a lot of times people get really fucked over by this because the funeral home will report someone as dead to SSA and the family is often counting on that month's SSDI check to pay for the funeral or like settle the estate and and the penalty is for like if you spend it and you have to pay it back is like a huge problem sometimes SSDI accidentally overpays you and you can get in a lot of trouble and be forced to repay that money even if they realize three years later that they had overpaid you another thing in the Sanders plan is eliminating the like uh, liability of the 
benefits recipient for accidental overpayments. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's not their fault. These are most of the time, like, direct deposited into people's accounts. You don't necessarily, right. like... Which, as you said, as you were telling me this morning, like, if there is an accidental overpayment, then, uh, it, like, if they realize that years later you can owe interest on the overpayment. Well, there's, amount. like, penalties and fees. There's, right. like, all sorts of shit that gets tacked on. And, like, these are just ways of, like, punishing the idea that, um, like, dignity exists if you're disabled. Yeah. You and know? So I think let's let's get into like a couple of the big things. I think obviously, you know, there's there's so much in this. I encourage people to read it. I think we're not going to be able to make just in terms of this conversation almost because it's like so uh, there's so much to hold uh, in like short term memory at once, frankly, uh, from this. So let me just say, like, from a review standpoint, like if you're listening to see if we think this is good or not, clearly we we think think it's it's very good. (laughs) This is a very good policy document. Um, But I do want to get into like specifically like we talked we touched on the like the long-term care thing and the 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 meaning for like not just the the fact that it it approaches long-term care or as in like long-term services and supports as like a really key part both of health justice basically health justice for people Mm -hmm. with disabilities um and uh you know possibly it sounds like within the the changing framework of this like uh, chronically ill people as well essentially under Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. But then also from the really important standpoint of like from as a, as a, um, from the labor, the labor aspect for, uh, home healthcare workers. And I want to point out just a couple of things that are, um, there is the section that's about long-term services and supports, but there are things that like are then kind of spattered through a bit of the rest of the document that I do want to highlight. Um, so, uh, one of the things that I wanted to like highlight about this policy, which again, I think like you're not going to when this gets covered essentially like in the media, you'll see this as like, like maybe you'll see this as like, Oh, uh, Sanders releases like plan that, uh, you know, has won some plaudits from the disability community or that like, it'll like probably be covered as like exclusively reinforcing and like upholding the needs of disabled people. And it obviously is, but it's also, I feel like about, um, like so much in this one would like fundamentally change the way that we like organize aspects of our society, I feel like, and Mm -hmm. two, um, actually provides really significant extra policy details to some of the big planks of policy like Medicare for all that, uh, we've, um, that like we've talked about at length and that have, you know, been discussed in all number of, uh, forums, but there are details in here that like are very important. So, um, Anyway, essentially, one of the one of the really key things that it does when uh, that this plan would do that is an expansion from the things that we've seen in pre- in previous policy platforms from the Sanders campaign mm-hmm. is that essentially it would make uh, so we we know that under uh, Medicare for all for all exa- for example that you know it would be as we've talked about at length and we'll talk about at length during Medicare for all week uh, you'd be under like one single payer including coverage for long term care so you wouldn't have uh, like out-of-pocket co-pays or deductibles for long-term care, which would be huge game changer. Huge game changer. One thing that's really, really significant in this is it spells out a little bit of how that would, like, work in practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of that is um, it would essentially make long-term care an entitlement. Right, exactly. um, Which currently it's, like, any type of long-term care uh, uh, covered by, like, like Medicaid, for example. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, is totally arbitrary. It's like, well, it's, that's not a requirement actually for states to 
Right. Uh, some states you can't get long-term care through Medicaid. Even. Well, some states you like effectively can't, although right. technically you can through every state. Um, but right. like that's essentially would like make um, long-term services and supports and entitlement um, and, and thus like, you know, one of those like positive rights essentially that we've talked about. Right. Um, <clears throat> Mama Mia. And, um, <laughs> well, which is like really significant because no, like, it is. It, it really is. I mean, just that like simple distinction between like what can have its funding slashed, uh, versus what can grow and, uh, rise to deal with like changes in the economy and changes in need. You know, it's like yeah. Phil talks about this all the time. It's like, Fundamentally speaking, we need to be building and thinking about these controls, like both congressionally and from the executive branch of like just ways to, you know, essentially like force Republican states who are uh, inclined to uh, move towards things like block granting or whatever to not be able to do that with this funding, to not be able to make it contingent on anything else other than the amount of participants enrolled well, that, that particular year. I mean, not that block granting would be a problem under Medicare for all, because that's not how it would work. But right, like, exactly. So, but, for example, like uh, here's from the policy document. Under Medicare for all, people with disabilities and older adults who are unable to perform without substantial assistance at least one activity of daily living, like, you know, one thing, right. uh, or who requires substantial assistance with communication, social interaction, learning, self-care, self-management, or other impairments... Um, will be entitled, again, entitled, to mm-hmm. receive home and community-based uh, services at a level necessary to ensure they can survive. Regardless of income. Right. Um, yeah, no asset and income restrictions will be placed right. on these services. This is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, this, like, way, this way opens up the definition of like what can qualify for getting long-term care. Um, and cu- that coupled with the fact that they essentially say that not only do they want to increase the home health um, workforce partially to like, you know, add jobs like they're, right. they're, this is a, one of the job drivers for their jobs guarantee, too. But also like um, because they know that uh, like one of the one of the goals of this overall is to decrease the institutionalization of uh, disabled people, allow them to like live in just society period. Right. I know? mean, there's a huge um, problem right now with the lack of the ability for most disabled people to like have any self-determinants about where they live, you know, the, yeah. the prior, like what the Sanders administration was pushed towards by Jayapal's bill because Jayapal worked closely with groups like adapt and they brought in long-term care that was community and home-based priority long-term care, which was like the, one of the first major steps in that direction. And the Sanders team has now taken that up and moved it one step further down the line from where Jayapal's was by making sure that like, you know, it's um, not only just are we going to like guarantee long-term care, we're going to radically expand like our definition of who can use long-term care. And um, we're going to put a conservative, a concerted, you know, government effort into like training and staffing and expanding and professionalizing this industry, both to benefit recipients and to benefit workers. You know, we're going to like actually take this industry and and fix it before it's allowed to continue to develop at the rate that it's developing, which is like a rapidly accelerating for-profit enterprise that you know, just immiserates people and doesn't actually provide care at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the other thing, so like the other part of that too then is the like increasing the workforce for home health mm-hmm. aids. Um, and I want to point out, it's like interesting how, um, how to put the, like in this plan, it's 
Uh, it's interesting because like so the section the whole section that talks about like ho- like home based and community based um, long term services and supports is really detailed and it goes into things like uh, you know how they would like transition uh, to it including like use- using this um, program that's interesting we can talk about it if you want but we don't have to get into the weeds on this but it's called like money follows the person right uh, which is a which is like a transition program uh, for that's like optional to Medicaid uh, that has been hugely uh, successful. Yeah, yeah. pretty, pretty successful. Um, But, you know, it then like goes into saying like we need to guarantee uh, home health care workers not only have the uh, right to uh, unionize, to uh, be organized, even if they're essentially like independent, basically, that Mm -hmm. like you would have uh, you would have uh, like be able to have union representation um, you know, even as like an independent uh, worker or whatever in this in this situation, right. um, and that uh, and you know basically talks about increasing wages. And I want to make uh, I want to like highlight one thing that is really interesting that like way later in the document it mentions explicitly that basically under Medicare for all, uh, I think this is actually in the section where they're talking not about long term services and supports, but about Medicare for all proper. Mm-hmm. It specifically says that for home health workers they were that the federal government would set the salary rate mm-hmm. basically um which you know makes sense considering that like medicare for all you would be the sing- it would be the single payer or whatever so right. that would be like inherent but it's the like well like there's like a minimum amount that people would make or something it's it's that so uh, what i'm saying is that essentially you have these two prongs one is that they're like they're saying that they want to have more workers doing doing home health work or, or doing, you know, long-term care work and they want to have more workers doing that. They want those people to like be well-trained and have, and be paid like a very, like a good wage or whatever. And also right. that since they would be the single payer in charge of doing that, they would be able to set that oh, rate I see high. what you're saying. I see. Right. right. So it's a way of using like the payer, like standardization and the professionalization of the industry to enforce like um, living wage guidelines too. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, and, and to and to make sure that that profession in particular and that the the essentially like the care, uh, the 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 group of people, the like profession giving care or whatever in the in that situation would be like yeah a well paid workforce specifically. I can't remember if we've mentioned this already, but I think it also says that you would get your. Does it say that you get your um, training paid for? Uh, yeah, I believe that like the training is part of the jobs program as part of Medicare for all. The other thing, too, that's pretty cool, if you go down to like Section 15, which is um, the parenting rights of people with disabilities. Now, I will say all fairness to Elizabeth Warren, her plan does include a one paragraph commitment to uh, enforcing the rights of parents with disabilities, but it does not get nearly as explicit as um, Bernie Sanders's plan, who has sort of like a five point plan of like enforcing ADA Title II, making sure that, you know, in two thirds of states, like if you have a disability, that can um, mean that the state can take your child away. Right. Um, what's cool about it, what's really cool and that I've honestly never seen before is that essentially part of the way that the Sanders administration wants to support parents with disabilities is to make being a parent with a disability a reason to qualify for long-term care, 
maybe not for yourself, but essentially they would issue guidance through CMS that would clarify that like home and community-based service can also be used to support your own parenting if you're a parent with a disability. Oh, wow. So you can have a long-term care assistant who could help you with like taking your child to ballet class. Yep. Or maybe you are an an autistic parent and you can have like a long-term care assistant who helps like tutor your child because possibly like you're not capable or something or it's a parent with Down syndrome. You know, it's like there's a um, essentially like there's a very high rate of like people with disabilities essentially not being allowed to have children or raise their own children. And, you know, to expand the idea of long-term care to support the disabled person and however they choose to live um, is a huge step towards, like, a radical self-determinance that disabled people have never been given the dignity of in the history of this country. Yeah. You know. Like, that. I mean, that is a really good example uh, overall of how much... Like, I, I think the the reason that I was saying before, for example, about how, like, radical some of this uh, plan is in terms of, like, how... Uh, in terms of how much it could like uh, drastically uh, change, I don't know, like ba- basically like society, how, like how we how we treat ourselves as like a care society or whatever, um, because like there there are so many things in here that are essentially about uh, are about creating things that we've actually talked about for a long time on this podcast, which is like um, creating jobs essentially that are. Uh, for, you know, whether like different types of civil civil servants, basically, um, mm-hmm. who would basically be tasked with like uh, ensuring various types of like justice and equity. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially like as a as opposed to like so many of the like punitive structures that we have in like under American capitalism or whatever, I'm thinking especially mm-hmm. like the Justice Department. Uh, it suggests things like um, creating an office of primary health uh, to figure out how to increase uh like access to care, no matter, uh, dependent on like disability or like geographic location, all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, like including like training this workforce to like find those disparities. Um, Mm -hmm. and like basically be, you know, out there, you know, sounds like basically out there in the field socially or whatever. Uh, this, there's one thing that also like super stood out to me. This is, you know, again, so like sidling away from the home care aspect, but really I think, could be seen as related if you think of this as sort of like a I don't know this like so uh, what I'm saying basically is like some of this sounds like an on road to the type of like or like an on road to socialism basically to like right, the sort totally. of social compacts that we talk about wanting under socialism. So one of the things it would do is like uh, I'll re- read. It's a glide path to socialism. Right. <laughs> reading from reading from this here, uh, create a civilian core of unarmed first responders. Hell yeah. <laughs> such as social workers. EMTs and trained mental health professionals who can handle mental health emergencies, low level conflicts outside of the justice system. Uh, and you know, basically that, which is, I guess, basically like saying create the, essentially we'd be creating the role that like police should actually fill that we, instead right. of having police, one, like, one, yeah. one in five inmates in prison has a cognitive disability. One in five inmates in prison is in prison being treated for a serious mental illness. You know, like the, I think it's what 50, 50% of like people who are murdered by police or something are disabled. Mm-hmm. And also like there are a lot of people, the police uh, is like parasitic right now on, mm-hmm. on industries like social work, um, EMTs. Yeah. And like, I Absolutely. know there are a lot of like, 
I've heard of people who are like, oh, I would love to be an EMT, but it doesn't pay as well as being a cop. Right. So suddenly like you could get, it's not just a, yeah, it's like having these jobs be like actually well compensated would mm-hmm. allow a lot of people to just like, I mean, obviously there should be no police, but. Um, right. Right. But this is certainly a good and step. And pay shouldn't be like, an issue, but while yeah. we're there. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's like definitely like a major step in the right direction towards like trying to do some direct intervention in a lot of these communities that are really suffering at the hands of police is particularly like disabled uh, communities. You know what I mean? Yeah. And beyond that, like, I think that the way that this is sort of, they've been very clear in this document about how they sort of have like a multi-pronged, uh, multi-step approach for each category. So some of it involves like, you know, and we've seen that the Trump administration with like very simple things like proposed rule changes and decisions about enforcing stuff that can have like huge impacts on um, SNAP eligibility, Medicaid eligibility, Medicare um, payments to providers, et cetera. And um, so they sort of have this plan of like, okay, we're going to do this through a combination of like administrative rule changes, right, within like the new administration when they bring in their people, uh, executive orders ratified with like participation with Congress and like more congressional like um, initiatives like passing like actual Medicare for all or passing like Jayapal's domestic uh, workers bill of rights bill, et cetera. Yeah. Maybe this is like a dumb Whatever there's there there are no dumb questions, Mm-mm. but this is a point. So there and there are dumb points. Um, but I I feel like I just keep getting distracted by kind of like the scope mm-hmm. of um not even just like the thing itself, but just like various bullet points. Like I'm just like scrolling through, and there's like a bullet point that says, "end cash bail." Right. Like <laughs> and, that's a disability rights issue, though. Yeah, you know. What yeah. I mean? Like uh. End homelessness in the next five years. Yeah, this, it's just like right, the scale. This is what I mean, though. Yeah. This, is, this is why I think it like it it makes the most sense, especially considering that like uh, you know okay, so like it's it's a disability rights platform, right? But also like uh, like as B mentioned at the at the top, it like cuts across all like every demographic basically, um, and it's something that you can expect. Uh, you know, if you think about death as a disability, for example, even if you die in a tragic accident, like in a split second, you will become disabled at some point. You know, like right. and my point is my Even point for a moment, <laughs> my, my point being, that's why I think actually reading this as this sort of overall, like th- this is like a massive manifesto for how we should completely rethink and reorganize like care in our society. Right. And it's I also think. it's also like, uh, no, go ahead. Okay, um, I, it's also interesting because it, it feels like sort of going on w- off of what you were saying, be like sort of a way to kind of like glide path in socialism, but without really saying it. Like right. I just did a control F and socialism doesn't appear once in the whole document. In the but, whole 13,000 words. That's because yeah, yeah. the whole document is socialism. Yeah, yeah. Well, but not exactly. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> there's of. a lot of like minor, ca- there's, a, there's a bunch of like capitalism shit in here. But anyway. And I think like, you know, the, the successful like innovation that this document is bringing is not only like using um, all sorts of every other issue like climate justice, housing justice, um, decarceration, um, ending cash bail, expanding public transportation, like restoration of voting rights. Like it's not only using like disability or it's not only including disability in those things, it's using like 
fights for disability rights to also expand and build on those like things for everyone. Yeah. You know, I think the voting rights is like a really good example because like in I think it's in Georgia, they've basically used the ADA to close polling places that they never reopen. Yeah. Yeah. And that this is like would address that. And it would say like, listen, you got inaccessible polling places unacceptable we will make them accessible the government will pay for it we will find them we're going to increase early voting you know like iowa is on monday enrollment and disabled people will not be able to participate in the caucuses in iowa like disabled voices are not included in the primaries yeah and like you know they couldn't even get their shit together. The DNC shut down like this app that was supposed to like let disabled people caucus remotely. Um, you know, as it stands, like we have, you know, we have the advantage of saying, okay, like let's use the ADA, not like how Georgia uses it. Let's use the ADA to open more polling places yeah. to, to make a, a voting day, a holiday. Right. Mm-hmm. To make free transportation to and from polling places, Like, let's use the ADA to expand benefits for all people, you know, by centering them in the rights of like the dignity and rights of the most vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, those again, as we've said before, there's a lot in here, but there's just like a couple more things that I think that uh, it's important to get to and, and mention just because I think, again, like thing things like saying. Oh, yeah. Also within this disability rights document, there's stuff like uh, end cash bail. There's stuff like uh, you know, automatic voter registration, as we're talking about. There's stuff like net neutrality. Yeah, net neutrality. There's stuff that <laughs> net like, neutrality is a dis- disability rights issue, which of course it is. But like yeah. the thing beyond that, there are a bunch of things that I think, frankly, again, in in most coverage of this such that there will be will probably be mostly glossed over or will not be like the, the moment to savor like how significant of a thing uh this is like even the the thing that i mentioned which is that like specifically like uh home health worker pay will be like set by the uh by the government by like the single payer under medicare for all for example not as opposed to like uh setting the rate for the agency right right right. uh that the single payer will direct it to be no, the the pay for the person. So like stuff like that. Right, the actual take home pay, not what the company gets to then right. like take in and then divvy out yes. in paltry amounts to its employees who are exploited. Exactly. Which is so the current system. So with that in mind, uh, also there's there's also there's like other stuff like that that I think could easily be missed or glossed over. We've had yeah. Uh, I mean, we're we're the death panel. We like to look at uh, the stuff that no one likes to look at. So yeah, let's get into exactly. some of this. We've, we've had a whole. Um, we've been having a whole conversation. Uh, both on the podcast and like in in general as a uh, as part of the Democratic primary, I guess about Social Security, for right, example. Right. Joe Biden wants to cut it. You know. Yep. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, freeze cost of living increases at a very at a bare minimum, One of which like is effectively a cut. Two but, existing like programs that is like universal. Right. So there's a there's a really important um, thing in here that like I just did some like quick uh, math earlier to drive home how like uh dramatic of a change this would be this is like the i think this is the most generous increases to ssi and ssdi uh, oh my god that yeah i've that i've seen it wouldn't like uh, um, yes get into it where is it okay so like ssi is an example um so currently like let's say so ba- like basically it says that like um uh they want to expand uh benefits across the board for uh like social security 
beneficiaries to Mm -hmm. 125% of the poverty line. Now, currently, like if you look, um, the federal and, you know, uh, I'm using SSI as an example and it's a difficult example because SSI can vary, like states can also like do supplemental things on top of like supplemental, uh, things on top of like the federal payment or whatever. Like some states you'll get more out of SSI even with the same exact Mm -hmm. metrics or whatever. But, um, in general, like generally speaking, um, it's something like, uh, like SSI in general will, will cut off federally at like 73% of the poverty line Mm -hmm. basically. So calculating that actually, uh, like if the current poverty line, which this also, all of these numbers seem super low, but like the current individual poverty line, federally speaking is $12,760 a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, again, super low for a couple 17,240. Um, so again, like it's complicated, but with SSI, let's say the, the like max cap or whatever max cap on a uh, SSI benefit. If you're making like nothing, basically like absolutely nothing according to the social security administration could be, you know, something like roughly like $700, right. Right. As like a federal, uh, you know, at like average for a top for topping out the the max amount that you'd get through SSI, which is unlivable, right? So yeah. around seven hundred dollars a month, uh, it's like like nine thousand three hundred ninety six dollars a year. That's for and that's for an individual. This is all based on the individual. So that's seventy three percent of the poverty line, right? Mm-hmm. So increasing that to one hundred and twenty five percent of the poverty line is literally an increase from. Uh, $9,000 a year, like $9,396 mm-hmm. a year to $15,950 wow. a year, uh, which just happens to be a 69% increase. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, nice. But, For 2069. <laughs> but that would be, you know, a, a category, this is a, a dramatic, like wild, uh, wild Im- improvement of life for so many people. Wow. It's like so, many so dramatic. It's kind of unbelievable. The other thing, too, is that they would change um, the SGA caps, which is substantial yes. gainful activity. So currently, I think if you're blind, um, but you're, I don't technically qualify as legally blind because they don't know enough about my disease to tell you if it's irreversible or not, which is fucked or they haven't decided that it counts in the blind category yeah uh (laughs) even though my acuity is in the toilet and technically is legally blind um you know like the blind current allowable income is like $2,100 a month and it's like $1,200 a month if you're not blind right so they would essentially like uh finally raise those caps it, which haven't been raised, I think, since like significantly since the 80s. Yeah. Um, to make them actually like, uh, you know, people in SSDI and SSI, like, oftentimes are trading, you know, further steps into poverty in order to guarantee their medical care. You know what I mean? But also, importantly, under this uh, plan, if you were applying for SSDI, uh, it sets the uh, substantial ga- gainful activity amount, which is not like necessarily all of your income. Uh, but it, it it's like things like income from a job or whatever to 250% of the poverty level. So mm-hmm. that's like, you know, a drastic increase from mm-hmm. where it would be today. Like, again, so many people, this is like, this is, you know, not only again, like a thing about like justice and uh, health equity, it's also fundamentally like uh, about redistributing wealth downwards, right. basically. Like this, is, this would be an enormous uh, 
help to so many vulnerable people, like on a scale that is unparalleled uh, with any of the other proposals out there. Oh, for sure. But again, but again uh, redistribution of wealth is not mentioned in right. The, That's true. And it's funny. Don't have to. It's yeah. funny because um, I mean, whatever Elizabeth Warren's been like going on her whole like tax the rich billionaire blah 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 right. but it's like here you have the same strategy of actually having a much more comprehensive redistribution plan without saying the ideology for sure, for word sure. yeah that's a really good point i mean one of the things that i think is also really good about this is that you know they are very clearly trying to increase enforcement of stuff like the ada in order to like um both redistribute wealth and also like protect workers and make things more accessible and they're doing it in a way that like is uh you know not putting pressure on the small business owners so it's sort of like taking like the uh corporate taxes and turning it into a fund to make like bodegas accessible (laughs) yeah True. you know and like ending sub-minimum wage and then allowing disabled workers to actually like work jobs you know because like some disabled workers can be paid like 30 cents an hour which i want to mention also not it's not even just that they would you know have that fund for small businesses which is the thing i was joking about about like oh some of it's like explicitly capitalist right right um but the the, uh, disabled access credit credit expansion act right but also they would you know um like in that thing in the article that you wrote in december b there was the whole thing about how like oh what like uh, Sanders proposes to create, I think it was like two or three federal agencies right. specifically. The Office and there of even, uh, People with Disabilities Climate Resiliency. Office there was of Climate Resiliency Justice for People Department, with Disabilities. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and there was another one too. Actually, I think it was just the the two, but there are okay. two. There are like two additional in here. Mm-hmm. Um, one is really interesting. Uh, Office of International Disability International Disability Rights. Hell fucking yeah! Uh, within the Department of State, so you'd have like the State Department going around and helping with. Or and whatever, they would yeah. ratify the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. We are like the only Western country that hasn't. But then also the uh, National Office of uh, Disability Coordination, which would do things essentially like go around and basically enforce ADA compliance. Just like um, the actual ADA police? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to just, like, we're getting we're go- uh, getting a bit long on uh, time for what we had planned, but I do want to, I do want to point out one thing, which, um, considering B, that you didn't, considering that you didn't uh, freak out about this and uh, call me, I'm assuming you never got to uh, when we were preparing for this. I uh, am on steroids, so I might have gotten distracted or not recognized the significance because my brain was on a steroid repeat loop, so enlighten um, me. So two things in here from the community-based research uh, section, which is uh-huh. section 11. One is uh, establish a center for clinical research within NIH, National Institutes of Health, um, to develop essential drugs in the public interest for public benefit. The medicines developed at the center would be produced directly by the federal government. And generics would also enter the market immediately after FDA approval. The center would focus on developing and testing drugs to treat diseases with limited or expensive treatment options, including orphan diseases. Haha, motherfuckers! So that's something <laughs> something literally that if you, we if have you wanted. can't incentivize the businesses to fund the research, you'll fund it yourselves, as mm-hmm. we should be doing. I mean, the other thing that they do that they want to do is they want to set up a system where instead of basically like being granted exclusive patent. Um, 
rights to produce a drug in exchange for having, you know, an innovative product. That was the second thing, yep. Oh, that they would basically set up like a prize fund. So if you've got like a really powerful, cool, innovative, like medical device or drug or or therapeutic protocol that you've been researching or you uh, are trying to bring to market, instead of being gifted with exclusive ability to profit, you will just be given like a lump sum cash prize, essentially as like a thank you for doing the good work and then that like work would then be able to immediately enter the public good would be way more accessible to everyone and then if if we have that coupled with medicare for all and a universal chart system through medicare for all an expansion of rural health care this is like every farmer is going to be able to get a, a hip replacement now which you know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's no, like for sure. it's going to be a radical way of like redistributing access to medical care and redistributing medical research to like where it's needed most, not where it's like most valued. Right. Because also, I mean, let me be really explicit with this. It's it's essentially and this is why um, this is one of the, again, one of the things that I was talking about is these like uh, this like very radical policy prescriptions that are within this, because obviously, you know, uh, like all, also within this is stuff like, you know, enforce march in rights, which is essentially saying that, like, mm-hmm. you know, within situations like uh, break the patent, uh, the the thing for prep, you would be you would uh, exercise march in rights to like break the patent on existing like things again, like like uh, Truvada. But also it would essentially like the the idea is to essentially go one step further and you stop. I mean, this this. Again, I can't emphasize how important this is and how amazing it is to see this on a actual platform by like someone who is, you know, by all accounts, uh, like either the front runner now or essentially like neck and neck with Mm -hmm. the desiccated talking corpse of Joe Biden. But the idea that essentially like you would reform the patent system, the patent system so that so that like for medications for drugs or whatever you mm-hmm. um uh, because you know anyway all of, like all of these things all of, like patents or whatever it's just like a fiat like a monopoly thing granted as a right by the government so there's no there's like no good reason for them other than this like quote unquote like market competition <laughs> and <clears throat> the the idea that like a company has to be rewarded for its uh actions right oh i was just uh it was slowly somehow just hitting me of like oh if this passed all the trans surges would level up like everyone would just get like one level more hot um because everyone's techniques uh and access and whatever would improve i mean there are some surgeries right. now that like people are like oh i'm scared to get that or like the it doesn't look like i want or whatever and it would just like I was just like, oh, there are certain things that would just like become possible, like become mm-hmm. become possible for like so many more people. That's like literally crazy. Like well, to just like go through your life being like, oh, wow, this is just like totally off the table for me to being right. like, oh, wow, this, the technology exists. And also I could afford this. That's just like a total whatever. Yeah, you get it. Well, I mean, and in a way that would be like a function that would like already basically be uh, not even a function, like a feature of um Medicare for all yeah, because yeah, yeah. under Medicare for all like all existing drugs anyway it's like you'd have a cap of $200 a, a year of uh max out, out of pocket spending but in situations like that you know like let's, let's say there was a new uh, major discovery or what like uh, theoretically under the system for example if there was a major discovery of like like a new a new way to administer hormone therapy or something or like a new mm-hmm. drug uh for a new drug for hormone therapy for example like instead of it being like okay like good on you Pfizer or whatever now you get 
you know, 20 plus years of exclusive uh, ability to like produce market and sell this drug, it would be like, okay, cool. Thank you for inventing that for us. Um, Mm -hmm. Here's a cash prize. Uh, However, great work. Go get started on your next thing. Well, you can, and you can sell it. Sure. But also like, other producers can sell it and like uh, clearly here too like the federal government can produce it under its uh uh you know right no totally Uh, can we can we um pivot to something that i think is a really important point that we haven't covered yet that um is a big disparity between elizabeth warren's plan and bernie sanders's plan that i think the adult uh autistic community or actually autistic community would really appreciate hearing um because this the sanders plan has some radical inclusion and really really great ideas about how to empower and support people with autism and end medical discrimination against people with autism as well um so i I will say warren's plan does not mention autism or autistic people once Mm. it's not in there at all in bernie's plan they uh, have some really good ideas. So essentially, um, one of the things that they're going to do is they're going to tie the funding for schools to the individual student. And for every student that's put into general education, the schools will get more money. So they're going to incentivize integrating students into general education class like classrooms and creating learning programs that are inclusive of autistic students and non-autistic students they're mm-hmm. also going to end like seclusion restraint and isolation um yeah that's huge. Uh, which is used against autistic people all of the time and a lot of the things that you've you've heard of probably over the years of like children being like suffocated by you know cops in school because they're being like sit on or something or, you know, all the children that get like shot by police because they are autistic and they are essentially like abused and put into solitary confinement in rubber rooms in school. Right. Yeah. And then like physically abused and, and physically restrained in order to deal with them. And then they're never even allowed in like general education classrooms. So that is like the current state of like growing up autistic. Yeah. Right. And um, so beyond that, like early intervention the other thing that they would do is essentially like a like create a uh a center for autistic people to like run an autistic policy institute within the federal government um so essentially they would make like a special committee that would like dole out funding for autism research and looking into like the needs of autistic adults and actually have autistic adults running that department seeking funding for their own communities which is like frankly an unprecedented move yeah i've not seen another candidate go anywhere close to dealing with this and i i think like the fact that the sanders campaign has been listening to this community that no one will listen to yeah that is demeaned by its own public uh institutions that are its disease-based advocacy organizations like autistic people are treated like shit by their own like um charities you know what i mean and like just look at the way andrew yang talks about his autistic kids (laughs) or son being like oh it was really hard on a marriage so like i understand disabled people you know it's like they're subject to abuse disenfranchisement um you know (laughs) like physical restraints and oftentimes like being autistic is grounds enough to being denied an organ transplant in the United States. Yeah. Why? 
because, well, uh, organ donation criterias as part of his disability rights plan would be vastly expanded. But right now, they're pretty narrow as to who is a viable candidate. And it's um, a judgment based on, you know, the idea that you are going to be returned to a productive, generative member of society if you receive the organ. And uh, disabled and autistic people aren't necessarily considered to be capable of returning to being productive members of society. So though there are a lot of states where a severe mental health diagnosis, uh, an autistic diagnosis or another disability like mine, actually, which is like a chronic illness, can sometimes just wholesale disqualify you from an organ transplant. This is, um, I think, the my... Uh, reg- part of my regular bit on this podcast where I bring up a Lauren Berlant quote, but every time <laughs> it happens as if for the first time. Um, so this is from, uh, which is by accident, um, uh, from <laughs> Slow Death, Sovereignty, Obesity, Lateral Agency. I think it's from 2007. Anyway, um, she says, uh, under capitalism, sickness is defined as the inability to work. Mm-hmm. Yep, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the it's funny because that actually comes from the SPK turn illness into a a weapon from 1972. You know, the idea that sickness under capitalism is defined as like sickness and health is defined as like states of being for a worker and disability exists when you cannot return a sick worker into a productive, usable worker and that disabled people are like robbed of their rights and agency through the very fact that like the only right that a worker has is their own labor and disabled people are like robbed of that so that they, they have like not even any currency that the market's willing to like extract from them. And so then they're like all of our public policy over the years has been built on like that principle idea are the way that we treat disabled people, the way that society thinks of disabled people as a burden or waste, fraud and abuse or benefit cheaters or welfare queens or people faking like that's all born out of this idea that like that health is a biological fascist fantasy and it defines like the workers value through their literal sweat equity. You know what I mean? So anyways, I love Roller. You know, she's on the point. She did her homework. Is there anything else before we've been going for a while? And I, uh, I think, um, I think that's probably, about I know we as didn't get we'll into cover. like some of the ADA stuff, some of the housing, some we of the didn't transportation. Do mental health at all. We didn't really touch yeah. on mental health. So there are some fantastic things in here. Um, I mean, I think the, ultimately it's this, uh, you know, kind of like we've said a couple of times, it would, if we were going to sit here and go through every facet of it, it we would probably be here for like five hours or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, again, that would just become more or less like, you know, like book on tape version of this uh policy posting we could do that as like asmr content like extra, <laughs> like extra bonus well we we well i've got uh you know about eight or nine hours of medicare for all week interviews to edit so i'm not going to do that right now <laughs> but um i mean i can i could give like a, a sort of like baseline final takeaway on mental health that i think like it's it's a very short point and that we can sort of wrap out on that is that i think uh as we've seen so much since sandy hook right the public discourse on like uh, school shooters, mental health and like the gun crisis and opioid crisis in the United States, like the public discourse on that is fucked up. 
right? Like we we have an unprecedented amount of people being undertreated in federal and state um, j- jails and prisons for mental health. Like they are not being treated. People are criminalized for like having mental health issues. And that's sort of like the only way in a lot of places that you can even like get access to a therapist or psychiatrist. And, and beyond that, like, you know, the presidential candidates themselves have not had great track records talking about mental health. And I, th- I think what's really cool is that essentially like uh, Bernie Sanders not only is talking about mental health in a way that is respectful and, and honest and not biased by, uh, you know, like ableism or whatever, but also like they would end involuntary treatment. So there are there are a lot of disabled people who have mental health issues who are institutionalized and have no say or consent in in being given stuff like electroshock therapy or really invasive treatments, you know, and currently there's nothing stopping these people from being treated however the, the institution sees fit. So they essentially have less rights than anyone else. And um, Bernie Sanders is the only candidate to not only talk about mental health in a way that's like realistic and, and right, but also to say, like, bring up the fact that like we're experimenting on people just as horribly as you would think that of us doing in the 60s when we were still giving out lobotomies. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of like maybe that's a good place to leave it. And uh, any any final points that we have? Um, <clears throat> no, I guess not. I mean, just I hope we guys have enjoyed this uh, very special uh, bonus emergency, emergency policy <laughs> deep dive. Um, seems to be the only thing we do emergency uh, recordings for, really. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, again, I guess I would just probably reiterate my point, which is that uh, this is going to get largely overlooked. Um, some of the stuff that we've uh, talked about, even if are like pretty substantially uh, like radical uh, changes to, uh, these programs or like proposals for ways that you could sort of organize this stuff different differently. And if you're interested, um, you know, whether as like a socialist and Marxist or like any kind of whatever leftist or just like if just being a person or something in what, uh, what ideas are out there for like constructing again, something like a, you know, quote unquote care society or, mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a literal welfare state <laughs> basically um then uh there i mean this this is like this is like bristling with uh ideas and perspectives. yeah we have a responsibility Absolutely bristling yeah we have a responsibility f- to care for one another and um I think that this is like a a really refreshing and and reassuring piece of 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 policy to rev us up to go right into the first week of the rat race. So I'm ready for Medicare for all week, and I am uh, really excited for uh, for Iowa because as soon as I get overwhelmed with people in the news just like talking about bullshit, I can just go back and like read through this thirteen thousand word um, gift that we were just given. Yep. <laughs> After and a year of waiting and speculating what's going to be in the plan, it's there <laughs> and, and if, it's huge, yeah. and it works with a screen reader, <laughs> unlike uh, Warren's because Medium is fucked. And if um, you're one of our many listeners who are in iowa right now keep at it please help us do it um and see you on the other side stay warm yeah and and stay safe 
Happy birthday to Nora Fulton, friend of the pod. Aww. And thank you, as always, to our angels of death, our Discord mods, join our Discord, and our patrons. Happy birthday to Brexit. Happy oh my birthday to Brexit. Oh, my God. oh, no. I wonder if Brexit's going to have a gender reveal party. Oh, my God. What is Brexit's gender? Boris. <laughs> Chaotic Boris. Oh, no, no. oh my God. Yeah. That's Coming a little, out of that's an an egg. alignment. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Enjoy some like good content to uh to you know put yourself to sleep at night while the rest of the world burns. Right. I recommend sleep hypnosis podcasts. They're available on Spotify. Or you can just listen to us at half speed. Yeah, I, I recommend the Death Panel <laughs> podcast. Subscribe to our Patreon and listen to all the Patreon. Patreon.com uh, slash death panel while pod. You're falling asleep. Patreon is a and beautiful name awake. for a child. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gonna do that name their kid Patreon. Oh, I'm sure there's already a kid named Patreon. I, but for real, though. It's gender neutral. I'm just like someone. <laughs> we are trying to build a more accessible podcast. We do want to be able to do transcripts. And it is um, uh, not something that I can do because of my visual impairment. So become a patron. Help us build a bitter, bigger, better, more accessible death panel. Yep. Listen, right. I already have. <laughs> wow. I'm going to cut that. Cut out that. Out. <laughs> Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they said? They said another brother's dead. They said he's dead, but he can't be buried. They said he's dead. But he can't be buried Come on, come on, come on, come on This can't be real Did you hear what they said? Did you what they said Did you hear what they said They said they shot him In his head Shot in the head To save his country Shot in the head To save his country Woman could
can't be real.